I would like us to pray, and then I may read a text or something before I let you be seated, but um, we've been a low-keyed here tonight. I don't know if we're tired or uh, what, but I want us I want us to pray what the Lord really wants to do tonight. He cannot do um, without willing vessels, without conduits that will allow the Spirit of the Lord to flow. If you were not here this morning, this morning was preparation for what the Lord has instructed me to do tonight. And I will, I will say this before um, I read a text. This is not a sermon. It's not a message. But here's... Here's what I will say. What the Lord is going to begin tonight is, is going to change this church forever. I promise you that it will. That's not, I don't throw statements out there just to be throwing them out there. The principle of what we're going to launch into tonight uh, will change us forever. It will be an initiative. It's an initiative that has come from heaven. And the Lord has let us know that there is a timing factor involved in this. And it is very, very important. This is not a one-night rah-rah deal. I'm not here to rah-rah you. I'm here to tell you some things and what I feel like the Lord has said. And, um, and this is the start of something that will continue until the rapture. And as a result of this, there are a plethora of things that the Lord is going to do throughout this church body, throughout every campus, throughout this city. He is going to do it in your individual lives and families. And it will change, it will change everything about the direction and the course of your life if you will let it, if you will let it. It will definitely change the course of this church. And so that is not, I'm not trying to just overspeak here tonight. I just feel it that strongly, and I know, I know what the Lord has told me to do in this place tonight. So I want you to make contact with your neighbor. I want everybody to stand, if you would. I would like for our parents here in just a moment to make sure that the, all the children are behaving that there's not a lot of going in and out, that there's not a lot of distractions here tonight. And while I'm talking, I want the Lord to just kind of settle deep within our spirit. So would you pray with me right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every child of God in this place. I pray, Lord, that you would open up our hearts and our minds and impart something to us. I pray that you would deposit something in our spirit here tonight. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to do your divine will and carry out your purpose in this place. Oh, Lord, God, we need you. We need you, Lord, in this place. Come on, pray with me. Pray with me right now, every saint of God, every child of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus. God, let the angels of the Lord minister in this place. Would you pray with me until we feel the release of the Holy Ghost here tonight? Oh, God, we need your mighty hand to reach down into the heart of this church. I pray, Lord, that you would begin to turn us toward the direction 
that you are desiring for us to turn tonight. Help us, Lord God, to lift up our eyes unto the hills and lift up our eyes unto the fields and help us to see, Lord God, the fields that are white already to harvest. In the name of Jesus, oh God, I believe that you're going to perpetuate something. It's going to start tonight and you're going to perpetuate something in this church body. Every campus, every congregation, every child of God, every saint of God, revolutionize the way we think about everything here tonight. Come on, pray with me here for just a moment. I want you to speak it loud. I, I want you to cry out to the Lord and I want you to ask him to do something in your personal life here tonight. Oh God, we've got to have you, Lord, in this place. Oh, we've got to have you, Lord God, in this place. Stay with me here for just a moment. Come on, we're waiting on the Lord. In the name of Jesus, I want you to pray like you know this is the first day of the rest of the future of this church. In the name of Jesus, oh God, put the words in our mouth. Put something in our heart. God, plant a seed in us tonight. Let your prophetic anointing come in here and destroy every yoke. Oh, there it is. Let those angels, God, gather in this building right now. That's it. Come on. Come on. Devil, you thought you was going to get glory on this holiday, but you won't get it in this house. In the name of Jesus, oh God, be magnified, dear Lord. Hallelujah. Come on. I feel something happening right now. I feel like somebody ought to respond to what's happening in this building right now. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to talk to us. But right now, right now, we're going to respond to what the Spirit of the Lord is doing in this place. Come on, if you're cold and backslid, why don't you connect with this and watch the Lord break every chain in your life. Yeah. Come on, would you clap your hands unto the Lord and would you, would you shout to the Lord in the name of Jesus. That's it. Come on, shout the name of Jesus. Shout the name of Jesus. It's not hype. Come on, I want you to shatter the atmosphere with your praise right now. He is worthy of praise. Hallelujah. Don't lock down on Jesus tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, perhaps there are people in this place that will mistake tonight as some good thought that the preacher has come to the podium with and something maybe to just inspire people for a moment. But for those of you that will be receptive, you're about to see a side of God that you've never experienced before. Beyond this building, 
It's going to happen in your life beyond this building. I want to read one verse of scripture to you tonight. And then I want to, I want to quote the portion of the verse that I spoke from this morning. Mark 16 and 15. He said unto them, go ye into all the world. Everybody say the world. Go ye into all, everybody say all, the world. All the world. Now forgive me for those of you that were here this morning. But let me just lay a little groundwork before we're seated. He did not say go into certain countries, go into certain cultures, leave the rest of them alone. This was beyond the Jewish community. This was beyond the Jewish nation. They were very familiar with their nation. That salvation was of the Jews. But Jesus said, I have trained you and I have equipped you. Now go into all the world and don't preach the Jewish law to them, but preach the gospel to every creature. Everybody say every creature. Every creature. The poor, the rich, the educated, uneducated, every culture, every nation. He said, I want you to preach the gospel to every creature going to all the world. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Everybody say the world. He loved the world. And I talked about this here this morning, but I just, I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. The world was in a deplorable condition, a miserable state. Whoremongers and adulterers and liars and robbers and thieves, homosexuals, idolaters, satanic worshipers. That's the world that he so loved that he gave his only begotten son. Wrap up all the world's riches. Put it in one basket, all the gold, all the silver, all the precious jewels, all the minerals, the wealth of every nation, the power of every government, all of our skyscrapers, all of our pieces of land and possession, everything that you can think of that would represent the wealth of the world, put it all in a basket, and it still would not purchase one soul, not one. But God so loved the world that he gave the only thing that could purchase one soul. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The title I'm going to give you tonight is, is not a title of a sermon. It is the theme of an initiative that we are launching tonight called the Million Dollar Mission. In the next five years, this church will give a million dollars to missions. There will come a time when this church will give over a million dollars a year to missions.
I hear you clapping. If you want to be involved in that, would you clap your hands? We need, we need God's burden to set on this place tonight. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to let you be seated. We get a little nervous when preachers start talking about money. Especially when they talk about money that you can't look around and see. We, we can see this. Now, I'm preaching to every campus here tonight. We can see this. We can, we can see evangelism in our own city. We can see that. Because we, we see the results of it, people coming into the church. There are projects and events that we give toward that we can see the fruit of our labor and it's something that we can partake of. But when you start talking about giving, not hundreds, not thousands, but a million dollars to, and you're giving it to people that you may never meet on this side of heaven, and I'm talking about global missions. Now, including in that is, is going to be North American missions, but, but the thrust of that is going to be the uttermost parts of the earth. And I will tell you this before I ever really get started here tonight, that God never has and he never will be indebted to anybody. Let me say it like this. You are not going to give to the kingdom more than God is going to give back to you. He's not going to be indebted to anybody. You're not going to put God in debt. He's not going to say, I, I let them overgive. They gave so much and they did so much, there's no way I can ever repay it. God has never been indebted to anyone. We are, we are good about paying buildings off and I praise God for hope and being debt free. I praise God for the main campus being debt free. Those, none of those are small things. Those are big things. And I thank God for the faith of this church, for the building that we have prayed for for a good number of years. Those of you that are praying for a campus and a building for Louisville Central and our Jeffersonville campus, I thank you. I thank you for all of that. But the mission is greater than Louisville. And the Bible said that it is, it is not his will that any should perish. He didn't purchase the city. He purchased the world. He went out into the field, and when he found a pearl of great price, he purchased the whole field. And the Bible said that the field 
was the world. This week, well, let me back up a little bit. This, this year, the Lord has, has been dropping breadcrumbs to me for some time about what I'm going to talk to us about here tonight. He's been doing that for quite a while. And in staff meeting Tuesday, our student pastor, when we were planning out the year and looking at events that we could have, he said, why don't we have an all-nation Sunday in the fall of next year? Because our organization sponsors, they don't sponsor it, they promote it. An all-nation Sunday every September, we just missed it last month or at the end or the beginning of this month. And what he did not know is that my wife and I had just been talking about that. The Sunday that All Nation Sunday was happening, she said to me, why didn't we do this? I said, yeah, for the last couple of years, I have felt like that we were going to do it. And then this whole mess that the world has been in, I just did not feel it last year. And I definitely did not feel it in 2020, even though everything in me wanted to to have that and so we decided in that staff meeting that was time what I did not know is that after Tuesday between Tuesday and yesterday the Lord was going to mess with my my spirit my thinking my mind my heart now let me just give a small disclaimer here and let you know that we are heavy supporters of missions we are heavy supporters and but we are not near where we need to be we gave roughly $137,000 last year to missions initiatives. And next year is going to be our greatest year ever. And so in study and reading, the Lord took me to the passage of Scripture where he said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, if you don't know how that translates, Jerusalem is Louisville. Judea is Indiana or Kentucky. Samaria is the United States of America and then the uttermost parts of the world. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, you've done pretty well with Jerusalem. He said, you've done fair with Judea. You've done okay with Samaria. But you have not done very well with the uttermost parts of the world. And he said, if you will give to the rest of the world, I will bring the rest of the world to you. How many of you believe that? We are going to have a multicultural revival. We are going to have a multicultural harvest. Every creed, every nation, every language, every culture, we are going to have a multicultural 
revival. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Now, since he put that in there, you may be seated. That's for the main campus right there. That's for Hope, and this is for Louisville Central. Main campus, Hope, Louisville Central. Now, my intention tonight is not to take up an offering. My intention tonight is to plant a seed in the heart of this church. But in this service, the Lord is going to move on you to give an offering to missions. But it may not be near as much as you're going to give to missions. Because the Lord is going to move on you. Something is going to be released in the culture and the heart of this church. And you're not going to be able to help it. Some of you are a little nervous right now because you say, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Well, I'm going to help you with a lot of things here tonight. The Lord is trying to release something in this church, and he's trying to take us somewhere that we've never gone before. And I'm going to tell you, we, we have used methods before. You, you, we use methods. There's things that come along that become catalysts for the next wave, the next move, the next growth spurt. There are a lot of things that we use, but... Methods generally aren't transferable. When you, when you look at the story of David and Goliath and you will see that Saul tried to put his armor on David and David tried the armor on, but he said, this, this is not going to work for me. I haven't proven this. I don't, this method is not, so we're not trying to cookie cut what somebody else is doing. This is not a method. This is a mission. And so we're not trying to duplicate something that somebody else has done, but this is the Lord getting in the heart of your pastor. Amen. I feel pretty small up here tonight. I'm looking at what we've done for missions over the last number of years, and it felt pretty good up until this week. And I've had to do some repenting before the Lord, and I've had to ask the Lord for forgiveness on some things because there are people in nations around the world that need the support of the people of God. And I want to be a part of that. I want to be used of God to help support that. We aren't doing this for our sakes. We're doing this for God's sake. And we're doing it at God's direction. This is an obedience thing. Not a manipulation thing. We're not trying to strong arm God. We're not trying to tell him if we do this, then you're going to do this. No, we're telling him we care about what you care about. And we have the vision and the view of the world like you have the view of the world. And we want to be a part of the Great Commission, not just here in Louisville, but to the uttermost parts of the world. I wish... That every single one of us could go to every nation in the world. I wish this building was filled with flags tonight, but I didn't have time to do it. I wish we had a multimedia presentation tonight to tug at our heartstrings, to, to show us stuff that's going on in other countries, but I didn't have the time to do that. But what I do have is a burden on me tonight, and I have something prophetic that's going to be released in this service tonight. And I'm going to tell you, we are about to fulfill the Great Commission in a measure that we have never fulfilled it before. It's not just a commission, it's a commandment. If you want to be a part of that, would you clap your hands unto the Lord? Come on. I want you to clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise.
Sometimes we, we treat missions like it is a second-rate, last-minute adventure in mediocrity. We throw our spare change at missions. We treat missionaries like they are second-class citizens. We look at them with sad faces and we feel pity for them because they got sent to some country that wasn't America or was not their native country. But the Apostle Paul was the greatest missionary besides Jesus Christ. And he traveled as far that the Lord would allow him to travel on four different missionary journeys. And he was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is my belief and has always been my belief that every missionary should be and may be an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ to pioneer revival and growth and preach the gospel in a nation where it cannot be preached. Now, I told you, I told you about a nation this morning uh, that is situated in Europe. I'm live streaming right now, but in that nation, they are not allowed, Christianity is not allowed. It's not allowed, and they're not allowed to have a church, and so they, God has given them a creative way of, of accomplishing that task of preaching the gospel. And what I can tell you is, is that Muslim believers are being converted to Christianity. Not only there, but around the world. I believe there's going to be an Islamic revival around the world. I believe there's going to be a Hindu revival around the world. I believe there's going to be a people from around the world come out of satanic worship into the body of Christ. We look at the book of Acts, and what we don't find in the book of Acts is phrases like, we can't do that, and we can't afford that. We pray for a book of Acts revival, but we don't give like they did in the book of Acts. We give what we can afford. I was reading recently about a pastor that years ago, now this happened back in the 60s, but he had a church of about 90 people. He started a church in a, in a very rural area of the country. And his annual intake revenue giving and everything was $16,000 a year. And the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to have a week of missions. And I want you to let your people express in faith what they believe that the Lord would help them to give over the next year. And he admittedly said that he argued with the Lord. He said, Lord, you don't understand. We've got debt up to our eyeballs. We've got bills that we can't pay. We've got creditors that are calling us. We started this church a year and a half ago. And we've been doing our best just to pay the bills. And my debt is climbing 
I'm going in the hole. The church can't pay its bills. We're barely keeping our lights on. How in the world do you think that I'm going to let the saints in our church give toward missions when most of them won't even pay their tithe? And the Lord said to him, do you think that I would give you instruction to do something and not supply what I'm asking you to do? And so he did. They had eight straight days of mission service. And he said, I had in my mind what I thought that we wanted to promise to the Lord about what we thought that we would give And he said, in my mind, it was astronomical, but because it was more than the whole previous year's annual revenue. He said, but I got a committee together, and I sent them away, and he said, I want you to help me to plan this missions week. We're going to have a missions week, and I want you to pray about it, and I want you as a committee to come back to me and tell me what you think that the goal of this missions week should be for people to to promise what they're going to give, faith promise what they're going to give over the next 12 months. And he said, I had in my mind 20,000. He said, but when that committee came back to me and he said, I knew I couldn't tell the church that number 20,000 because it was 4,000 more than the whole church brought in the whole previous year. And now we're going to give 20,000 a mission. He said, I just knew I couldn't tell the church. But he said, when the committee came back, they said, Pastor, we believe the number that the Lord has given us is 32,000, which was twice the annual revenue of the church. He said, I looked at them like they had fell off a turnip truck. But he said, when when it was all said and done and they pledged, it was more than 32,000. And he said, by the the time of that uh, next year, he said, it was nearly 50,000. And not only did that happen, but the tithes started going up and the offerings started going up and people started getting raises and people started being blessed. And he said, in in." One year, we went from 90 to 256 people because we started giving to missions. Come on, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Now, we're, we're, thinking, we're thinking right now how, how, because we're, we're giving to we're given to ATC and we're given to North American Missions and we're well that's part of it but but we're given to uh, we're given to this and we're given ties and we're supporting this ministry and we're supporting all of this. How in the world are we going to do it? We are not going to do it. I want you to hear me here tonight. We are not going to do this. God is going to do this. Now we are going to participate in it. But God is the one that's going to do it. Philippians 4 and 13, we don't quote this enough. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I can do all things. Everybody say all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Here's the questions that we ask as a church. And I say we, I mean the global church, the North American church at least These are the questions that we ask before we do almost anything. Can we afford it? Is this in the budget? Do we have a slush fund for emergencies? Will this appeal to everyone in the congregation or will it offend some? 
Will we lose people or gain people by pursuing this action? Those are the wrong questions to ask when you're doing the work of God. This is a nonprofit organization. The church is a nonprofit organization. Now, I heard somebody ask this question and it just rocked my spirit and I want to ask us here tonight because we are so we are so comfortable in our Pentecostal pews and seats. We are so very spoiled rotten in our Pentecostal sanctuary and our beautiful renovation that's taken place. And I'm, I'm very godly proud of it, and I'm thankful for it. And we did that out of obedience to the Lord. The Lord told us to do that. I didn't want to do that. The Lord told us to do that. And it has been one of the best things that we've done in a very long time. But the question is, what right do we have to hear the gospel over and over again when there's people around the world that haven't even heard it the first time? Who do we think that we are to come in here every Thursday and every Sunday to be able to sit down with Bible study charts and pick and choose when we come to the house of the Lord? Who do we think we are to be able to hear this over and over and over when there are people in other parts of the world that have never heard it for the first time? You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. I don't know about you, but I want the Lord to help us to get to the uttermost, the very farthest part of the world. I want to go there. And I want to sow into that. Paul wrote this to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul, the greatest missionary beside Jesus Christ, referred to himself as the chief of sinners. I, I believe that it was that level of humility that drove Paul to get on ships and go through the treacherous danger of sailing across the Mediterranean and being shipwrecked multiple times, being beat with rods and being beat with a cat of nine tails and spending the majority of his ministry in a jail cell and still planting churches across the Mediterranean region there because he saw himself as the chief of sinners as opposed to a lot of Christians and a lot of even apostolics that feel that somehow we deserve this. We deserve to be blessed because we've given and we've given and we've given. We grumble and complain about the things that are required of us in the kingdom of God when there are people around the world that are, it's not even lawful for them to own a Bible. They have to keep it hid. If they're found out, they will be put in a jail cell or worse, they will be beaten and tortured. In the world that we live in today, this is not, this is not in some ancient society. This is in 2021 right now. They're being burned, they're being put in jail, they're being tortured. Many of them are being hurt. There are people in some nations that are so cold and so stale and the spirit of the, of the enemy is so is so 
suffocating upon them. That there are churches, they can have churches, but they will not listen to the truth. That has to be broken. The Bible has told us that before the coming of the Lord, there is going to be a harvest that is going to sweep across this world. And the Lord is looking for a giving people. He's looking for a sacrificial people. Now, I have learned, and, I, and I've read in the Scripture that that scripture, the scripture teaches us that God lives a cheerful, he loves a cheerful giver. How many of you know that? But I've also learned that God will take it from a grouch as well. I don't care if you do it with a scowl on your face. You can be blessed and angry at the same time for all I care. But he'd rather you be cheerful. I know the Lord, the Lord, now here, let me stop for just a minute because the Lord is going to speak some things to some of y'all. Tonight or here in the near future, he is going to deal with some of y'all to make some very tough decisions about your life. He's going to ask you to do some things that in your flesh, it will be the hardest thing that you've ever done. Some of you will get mad at the things that God is asking you to do. But you're going to have to remember this. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why is it impossible to please him without faith? I'm going to put it to you this way. Man's plans do not require faith. God's plans require faith. And without faith, God's plans do not get accomplished. And without faith, if God's plans are not accomplished, you cannot please God. But in faith, when you're obedient, if you will do the things that God is telling you to do, the Lord is going to do some things in your life that are absolutely going to blow your mind. I'm not trying to hype you up tonight. We're not trying to gain any kind of notoriety here. We're not trying to get any kind of awards here. We're not trying to get any phone calls from anybody here. The Lord has been dealing with me this entire year, but this week it was more than I could take. And I wish I had more time to prepare for this. But the only thing I to- I'm, I'm here to tell you tonight is that the Lord told me to tell this church that he is setting this church on a million-dollar mission. And it's going to happen in five years. As a matter of fact, it's going to happen in less than five years. We are going to celebrate in less than five years that a million dollars has been given by this church to missions. Why don't you praise him here for a moment for the nervous people? I want you to praise him for the nervous people in this place. You can be seated at Hebrews 11 and 4. By faith, everybody say by faith. faith. Not by logic, not by budgeting, not by seeing if he could afford it, not by looking out in the flock and seeing if he had how much he had left, but by faith. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than that of Cain. Now listen to me here, folks. I understand that's because it was a blood sacrifice. And that's what God required. But obedience is obedience and faith is faith. Are you listening to me tonight? The fact of the matter is, is that some of you are going to offer a more excellent sacrifice than the person across the aisle from you or in the pew in front of you. Some of you are going to get the attention of heaven to the point that God is going to say, I am going to use this mission-minded person to do things that nobody else thought that they could ever do. 
I am going to use them as a conduit to be a blessing to global missions like they never thought possible. But it's only going to happen by faith, by faith. Now, what that tells me is don't take that scripture for granted by faith. Why did it require faith? I mean, God told them blood sacrifice. Their parents, Adam and Eve, brought them up believing that's what you've got to offer to please God. Why did it take faith for Abel to offer one sacrifice to the Lord? Why? The only thing that I can think of is is that it was not easy for him to do. We don't know for sure that it was not Abel's only lamb in the flock that was worth anything. We don't know that for sure. What we do know is that for him to offer it, it required faith. So this is what I'm going to say to you tonight. There's going to be some numbers flying around in your head. And if you're comfortable with the number, it's not from God. But if it's a number that's going to keep you awake at night, it's probably from God. Hold on. Well, I can do that. Well, that's a lot of money. Sure, I can do that. I've got that tucked away. Well, I think I can get that in the next year. I, you know, I can sell something. and I've got something worth that. Well, that's good. God will take that because it goes to the right cause. But that's not really what he's looking for. He is not going to be indebted to you. You will not show God up. You will not beat your chest and say, look at me, God. You can't even repay me for what I just gave. You're not going to do that. But the Lord is going to put something in your spirit that is going to require faith for you to offer, and it's going to be called an excellent sacrifice. Now, I know, I know. I feel it getting tight a little bit right now. By faith. Everything with God is by faith. When Israel was in a a three-and-a-half-year drought, Elijah didn't wait for a cloudy sky to start praying for rain. Elijah prayed to a clear sky. There was not a cloud in the sky until the servant went seven times to the mountain and he said, finally, Elijah, I see a cloud like a man's hand. Some of you are going to have to hear from heaven and pray to a clear sky. I don't know if you've ever gotten to the point. It's quiet right now. It was all fun and games till I started talking about making you feel uncomfortable. I'm talking about releasing something. Now, look, this is not about name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it, and this is not about you getting a raise or whatever, but you are out of your mind if you don't think that something is going to be released in this church that is going to overturn things in this city that have never been able to be overturned. You, you are out of your mind if you think that God is not going to bring people up out of poverty in this city because you're sowing to the uttermost parts of the world and one of them might be you. I tell you to take a deep breath right now, but I don't want, you, I don't want to take the pressure off. Everybody say faith, faith. without works is dead. You're not saying, God, this is how much I'm going to give. You're saying, God, 
This is what I believe that you have put in my spirit to give. This is what I believe that you are going to supply to me on top of everything else to give to missions. It's not a pledge. It is praying to an empty sky and believing that a deluge is going to come. The sky, the empty sky, the clear sky is the canvas for the miracle. It is the canvas for the miraculous. It is the opportunity for God to begin to paint the clouds upon that clear sky. And then the rain is going to come. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not, thing, were not things which made of things which do appear. The things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Some of y'all are going to write some checks and make some offerings that you never thought you could do. And when you see it, you're going to say, this is made of things that didn't even appear a month ago, two weeks ago, six months ago. You know why God can't promote some people in the kingdom of God? Because he knows that they will consume it upon their own lust. You, you have not because you ask not and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. Why are you expecting God to give you a raise? Ooh, it is quiet in the church house at this moment. Now, I've said for 20 years there's millionaires sitting in this church. There's not one sitting here that can be seen right now. But there are millionaires here that are going to be made of things which do not appear at this very moment. But the Lord is waiting on somebody to get their priorities in order and get their motives in order. I need somebody that I can bless so they'll be a blessing, not so that they can consume it upon their own lust. Stop making plans for your own life until you ask him what your plans, what his plans for you and his kingdom is. Oh, my goodness. Go ahead and praise him for the nervous people right now. Praise him for the nervous people. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Having faith for the healing of the sick, that's one thing. But having faith so that you can give hundreds of dollars or thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars that you can't afford at this very moment, that's faith. And he said, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Impossibility is the opportunity to please him. Impossibility is the opportunity to please him. Do we want our plans, or do we want God's plans? Wait a minute. I thought we were praying for God's plans. We have been. But God is adding to those plans. God is not squashing the vision for Louisville. That's Jerusalem. God is not squashing the burden and the passion of this church for church planting and church planters 
and North American missions at Christmas for Christ. That's Judea and Samaria. What he is doing is he is taking us now to have a vision for the uttermost parts of the earth. If you, if you think about all the countries around the world that, that can't even afford, my, my father-in-law left us a few weeks ago. And in years gone by, he traveled to India on several occasions because they had mills there and factories there that made the goods and the wares that he would sell to large corporations. And one time he was there and he was in one of the factories and he had some cash in his pocket and he told his boss, he said, I want to I bless some of these people around here. And he pulled out, a, he pulled out some cash out of his pocket and the, and the boss said, whoa, 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 wait, wait. You, what are you doing? He said, I'm just going to bless some of these people around here with just a little bit of money. I can't stand it. Now I'm watching them make $2 a month. Two dollars a month. I can't stand here and watch this. You need to let me be a blessing. He said, oh, no, sir, you can't do that. He said, if you give them what's in your hand, he said, they won't show up for the next several months. That's a spirit. That is not God. That's not the blessings of God. That is a repressive spirit that needs to be broken on that country. I want to use unrighteous mammon that's anointed by a holy God to sow it into ground that can break the spirit of mammon on that country and the spirit of poverty on that country so that the gospel can be preached to the poor but they can have blessings that come from heaven. We are, we are so spoiled in our righteous sanctuaries and our beautiful clothes and our new cars and our new homes and I'm thankful for all of that. I'm thankful for the country that I live in. I don't like the condition it's in right now but I'm thankful to live here. I'm thankful that God's hand to some measure is still on this country. And I'm not pretending that America should become them. What I'm saying is, is that America should realize how blessed that we are. The American church should be realize how blessed we are. You've heard Brother Shelton tell this, and Josh Sturgeon reminded me of it today. That Brother Barnes told him years ago that America exists for three reasons. To be the friend of Israel to hold back the spirit of Antichrist so that it don't take over before it's time and to fund world missions. That's the, free, the, the three reasons why America exists. He said if America stops doing those three things, America's done. Now the White House is not going to fund world missions. Only the church is going to fund world missions. Everybody say million dollar mission. God's plan is always impossible in the eyes of man. So without faith, you're only fulfilling man's plans and never God's. Zechariah 4 and 6. 
Then he answered and spoke unto me, saying, This is the word unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. A foundation was laid. It sat dormant for 12 years on Zerubbabel's temple. 12 years it sat with no progress. And an angel visited Zerubbabel and said, Get up the hands that finished, that started this temple shall also finish it. The hands that started it shall also finish it. But it's not going to be by the might or the power of those hands. Those hands are going to participate, but it's only going to be by my spirit. So what we have to believe here tonight is that the word that has sent me here to this pulpit to deliver, God has sent me here to deliver this word. We have to believe that that same God that sent me here with this word is also going to supply it by his spirit. The reason we're going to give a million dollars to missions inside of the next five years, it might be three years. But that's what I feel in my spirit to declare tonight. It's not going to happen by us. It's going to go through our hands, but the spirit of the Lord is going to do it. I need somebody to believe that God is going to do that. Amen. You can be seated. Our, abil- our abilities, our limited resources, and our lack of experience have nothing to do with the fulfillment of the Great Commission. We are participators in the plan of God, but it is by His Spirit that it is done. So when we have nothing, when we have nothing, I don't have money to give to missions, some say. I, I can't do that. I don't have anything. Nothing. I have nothing. Nothing is God's raw material. And nothing that is mixed with unshakable faith can become everything. God has called this church not not to just build churches, help people build churches, not to just plant them here in our city, not to just support those that plant churches throughout North America, but to plant churches in nations around the world. There are, that's all right. That's all right. I'm not talking about one or two. Do you realize that there's some countries around the world you can build a whole church for $10,000? Do you realize that in this building tonight, there is the potential of literally building thousands of church buildings around the world? We've got to get busy going to the uttermost part of the world. God is going to use this church to be a mission-minded church. He's going to do it. I'm getting some of you on board finally. We're not saying tonight, God, that it's, it's you know, I got to look at my savings. I got to look at my bank account. I got to look at my investments. I got I to look at my 401k. That's not what we're talking about. But what we're saying is that when God enables us, we are going to be obedient to him as God enables us. I'm going to make a faith promise Now, this is not going to be the last night of this. I don't even feel like I was properly prepared for all of this. But the Lord absolutely will not let me get away from delivering this word tonight. There are things that are going to to break loose. Now, if the Lord never did, I, I told the Lord last night, praying here late last night, right over there, I said, Lord, if you never do anything else for us here in this city, We can do this. 
we can do this. If you want to do it in other parts of the world and there's things that you can't do here in this city for whatever reason, God, we can do this. We're going to participate in this. But this is what I know. God's not indebted to anybody. And he loves a cheerful giver. And he's promised the multiple returns of 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold upon givers of people. Do you understand? I, I feel the Lord depositing things in people's spirits here tonight. Some of you are sitting there, and while I'm talking and while I'm teaching and preaching here tonight, some of you are literally watching a movie screen going over your mind, and you're seeing millions of dollars that are circulating right in front of your mind. Uh, that is for the mission field. The Lord is opening up the hearts of people toward nations around the world. These are the last days. You don't have to clap. You don't have to get up. These are the last days, my God. We're going to have a harvest like this world has never seen. We've got to get out of the weeds. We've got to get our eyes off of small stuff. And we've got to get our eyes up on the fields and look across the world and see what God is calling us to do. This is the great commission and the great commandment all wrapped up in one. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What things? Oh, I don't know. River Falls. What if he doesn't? What if he does? You can be seated. If he doesn't, guess what? We just helped a whole lot of missionaries. If he doesn't answer another one of our prayers, which he will, but if he doesn't, we just helped a whole lot of missionaries. I'll leave that up to you to determine what all these things are. I was reading about a pastor that was, it's, he was a home missions church. He classified himself as a home missionary. They had had a mission service or a missions commitment or a missions conference or convention or something of that nature. And they were in millions of dollars worth of debt. And he said one month, one month after the missions service, the missions commitment service, one month later he said a businessman in the church came to him and he said, he said, Pastor, he said, I just want you to know I'm, I'm leaving the church. He said, okay. He didn't ask why. He said, don't you want to know why? He said, not really. But if you want to tell me, I'll listen. He said, I, I, he said, I just can't, I can't get with all this stuff that you're promoting. And he said, the missions thing was the last straw. He said, money being sent to places where there's no accountability. When actually there was. Money being sent to people that, that we don't even know. We don't know what they're doing with the money. And we're just throwing money at nothing. As I said this morning, it's the same thing that several people said about our 2009 boot camp and our 2008 boot camp. That was a waste of $50,000, I heard a couple people say. But as I've said, you can take the wealth of the world and it still won't buy one soul. We got more than one out of that. We could have spent, that's all right, we could have spent $500,000.
and it still wouldn't have been a waste because you cannot purchase one soul. Only Jesus can purchase one soul. And he said, I, I just can't, he said, I can't, I can't live with it anymore. He said, that was a straw that broke the camel's back. And he said, okay. He said, so I'm leaving. He said, all right. He said, well, before I go, I want you to know, pastor, he said, I give $100 a week in the offering. He said, well, he said, I thank you for telling me that. He said, I actually didn't know that. He said, but that's, that's good. He said, well, when I leave, that $100 is not going to be in the offering. He said, well, it will. It just won't come out of your hand. And he said, he said but, but that's fine. He said, okay, I'm leaving. He said, all right. So he left. The next day, he got a call from a businessman in the community. And he said, I never met the man. He didn't go to our church. And he um, just said he wanted to have lunch. Never met him in my life, said, so we had lunch. And he said, the man was sitting there. We were chit-chatting. We were getting to know each other. He said, about halfway through the meal. He said, well, pastor, he said, I guess you've, you wonder why I've asked you to lunch. Now, this is one month after the missions conference, their first missions one. He said, I guess, guess you wonder why I've asked you. He said, well, yeah, I'm kind of curious. He said, well, he said, my family and I would like to make your church our church. He said, well, have you ever been a guest at our church? He said, nope. He said, but the Lord told us that that's our church. And he said, I just wanted you to know that we're coming. He said, well, that's wonderful. He said, but before I do, he said, I heard that y'all are having some financial trouble. And he said, well, I don't know where you heard that. He said, but, but we are. He said, it's, it's pretty bad. He said, they were sinking. They were drowning in debt. There was millions of dollars. They couldn't pay bills. They, they were getting calls from creditors and all this kind of stuff. And he said, the man looked at him and he said, my family and I do want to come to your church. He said, but we heard that you owe $100,000 on your gymnasium. He said, yeah, we, we do. He said, well, I don't want to come to a church where they have $100,000 dead on their gymnasium. He said, well, he said, we, I mean, we're trying our best. We can't do anything about the debt. And he said, as he was saying that, the man was pulling out his checkbook. And he said, who do I make the check out to? The church? What, what's the name of the church? And he, he told him, and he, he, he said he was thinking, the pastor was thinking in his head. He said, well, every $50 helps. That's what I was thinking. And he said the man slid a check for $100,000 across the table to him. He said, now, can you, can you go down to the bank today and erase that debt? And the pastor said, I believe I can. And he said, well, I'd like for you to do that because our family don't want to come to a church where there's $100,000 in debt on a gymnasium. He said, well, that, he said, sir, and that helps a lot. He said, but we have millions. I'm talking about we're swimming in millions of dollars of debt. He said, my first year here, we lost 400 people. And he said, it's a bad, we're in bad shape. And he said, I'm glad you're coming. But he said, and I thank you for this or whatever. He said, I'm not looking to give to us in the mouth. But he said, we've got millions. He said, okay. Well, he said, well, let's talk about those millions. He said, I can't give you millions of dollars, but he said, I can loan it to you. And he said, you, you can loan it to me? You have millions of dollars? He said, I have millions of dollars. He said, but I can't give it to you because I'm helping a lot of other churches. But he said, I will loan it to you 
at one-third of the interest rate that the bank would charge you. He said, now here's what's going to happen. I don't want you to pay me one penny for one year. What I want you to do is go hire some staff. And he said, I'm going to erase your debt, and it will be a loan to me. And he said, but I won't require anything of you for a year. And he said, in one year, we're going to talk about how we're going to pay that debt back. But he said, don't you worry. I will make sure that the church is in a place where they can pay whatever they can pay and keep their staff and still do what they're doing. He said, they wiped out that debt in three years. Three years. Millions. Oh, I feel faith right now. The Lord is testing the temperature of this church in this building here tonight. He is testing the faith. See, we talk about all these big things that we believe God's going to do. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. And I'm wondering if we have not even barely scratched the surface of God's plans yet. I know what the Lord has said to me about this city. I know what he has said to me about the main campus. I know what he said to me about that building we've been believing for. But I believe we haven't even scratched the surface of God's plans yet. I believe that God's plans are going to blow our minds. But without faith... This other pastor, he, he, he was, I, I, told, I started out talking about the home missions pastor, that, and then I went into another story. But the home missions pastor, he had a missions convention conference or whatever, and he said just a short time after that, he said the Lord was doing all kind of things. They didn't have any money, and they didn't have very many people. And he said, I walked into the most extravagant bank in town, he said it was ornate. It looked like a cathedral on the inside. He said the ceiling was ornate. It had 20-something ceilings on the inside. It was a four-story building, 27,000 square feet. And he said, I was standing there at the bank teller's window. And he said, the Lord tapped me on the shoulder. And he said, hey. And he called him by name. And he said, he looked around. He kept doing what he was doing at the teller. And the Lord called him again. And he said, I'm talking to you. He stepped away. And he said, Lord, I'm listening. What is it? He said, this is the future church building in the bank. He stepped away, stepped back, and he said, Lord, you got to help me because I just heard a voice tell me this is our future building. The Lord said, that was me. It is your future building. He said, I went home and I told my wife, this is not long after their missions deal. He said, I told my wife, he said, the Lord told me today that he's going to give us such and such bank building right in downtown. She said, he did. He said, yep. said, I didn't know it was for sale. He said, it's not, but it's going to be. said, one month later, they put it on the front page of the newspaper that that bank was selling their building because they were going to build a building for drive, with drive-through windows in it. He said, I saw it in the newspaper. I got up from my house. I drove downtown to the bank, and he said, I'd like to talk to the bank president. They let him in to see the bank president, and he said, I went into the bank president and said, sir, he said, I'm here to buy your bank building. I heard it was for sale. He said, well, as a matter of fact, it's not on the market, but it is going to be for sale. He said, what can I do for you? He said, well, we saw it's valued at $6.5 million. He said, that's probably about right. He said, I'll give you 200000 for it. <laughs> he said, the president said, well, I, you'll give me 200000 
He said, yeah. He said, is this a joke? He said, no. He said, now I'm standing there thinking, where am I going to get $200,000? I'm a home missions pastor. And he said, well, what did you want to use it for? He said, I'm a pastor of a church. And he said, we're going to turn this into a church. He said, he slapped the desk. He said, this will not be a church. He said, can I sit down a minute? So he sat down and he started talking to him. The longer they talked, the more the bank president started loosening up. And he said, after a while, he said, let me ask you a question. He said, yeah. He said, you're going to turn this into a church. He said, yeah. He said, you're going to give me 200000 He said, yeah. He said, I'll take 80000 for it. True story. He said, he said, let's draw up the papers. He said, matter of fact, let's do it right now. They drew up the papers. They got an attorney to come in. They closed that deal. The bank loaned him the money. He went down to the town council about a week later. And the mayor was there, and the mayor, when they got done with all their business, he said, is there anybody, anybody has new business in the chamber? And he said, I stepped to the microphone. He said, yes, sir, Mr. Mayor. He said, I pastor so-and-so. He said, I just bought the bank downtown. He told him what the bank was. And uh, he said, we, we bought it for $80,000. It's ours now. And he said, I just want the town council to approve the rezoning of the bank building for a church. He said, the mayor looked at him. And he said, it will not be approved. We are not going to approve that as a, as a church. And he said, dismissed, next. And they went on the next business. He said he walked out of the chamber and one of the reporters from the newspaper called him the next day and said, I'd like to interview you. You were the pastor that was in there. She said, I heard that ludicrous offer that you put in front of the town council and you know good and well they're never going to rezone that as a church, but I'd like to interview you. So they brought him into his home and his wife cooked for her, and they sat there and talked, and they drank coffee, and the longer they talked, the more she softened up. She asked a bunch of questions that were no right answers to. It was reporter questions. She got up, folded up her notebook, put it in the briefcase. She looked at him and said, you're not going to believe what I'm going to write about you tomorrow. He said, I thought it was all over with, but he said, when I picked up the newspaper the next morning, she talked about all the work we had done in the community. She talked about how many lives could be changed by that becoming a church. She talked about this and all that. And that afternoon, he got a call from the president of the Chamber of Commerce. And the Chamber of Commerce called him and he said, I'd like to meet with you if I could. Pastor said, sure. He came right over to his house and he said, I can't believe. He said, I was in the meeting that day. I saw what happened to you. And I read the article this morning in the newspaper that was written about you. And he said, this is all intriguing to me, but he said, something needs to be done about this. That bank needs to be a church. He said, well, what do I do? He said, well, you can't do anything, but me and my friends can do something. He said, well, what are you going to do? He said, be at the next town council meeting. So when he went to the next town council meeting, the president of the Chamber of Commerce was in there. And when the mayor said, is there any new business or any old business? He said, the president of the Chamber of Commerce stood up. He said, yes, sir, Mr. Mayor. He said, I'm the president of the Chamber of Commerce, and he said, I have something I'd like to address to the council. But before I do, he said, I'd like to introduce some of my friends. He said, I'd like for all the board members of the Chamber of Commerce to stand. It was the who's who of the town. 
And he said, I also would like the, the president of this committee and all their board members to stand. They all stood, and it was a who's who of the town. He said, I would like the president of this committee and this whole board to stand up. And they all stood up, and it was all the who's who and the businessmen and the money people of the, of the whole town. And he said, we're here with Pastor so-and-so, and he just bought the bank building and needs it rezoned to be turned into a church. And we believe that that would be the perfect thing to happen for that building. The mayor gathered the council into a huddle for about 10 seconds. He went back to the microphone. He said, we're in agreement with you. We believe that's exactly what needs to happen. I'm telling you, you ain't seen stuff happen until God gets involved with it. Are you with me? I'm almost done. In some way, we have to avoid being the priest and the Levite that stays on the other side of the road. It's easy for us to ignore than to get involved in it. The good Samaritan took the man to the inn. He poured in oil and wine, and he, he gave two pence, which was two days' wages, to the innkeeper. And he said to the innkeeper, take care of him. And whatever it costs you, he said, when I come again, I'll pay you back. Now, I believe that the Lord is going to pay us back in this world and, the, and in the world to come. Do you know that there is a reward in eternity? It doesn't just come to people that are born again of the water and the spirit. It comes to people that have taken care of those that have fallen in the ditch on the side of the road that have been stripped naked. God is looking for people, I didn't mean it. God is looking for people that are not afraid of it taking of their time, their talent, or their treasure. Now, I'm almost done, but I want to say a couple more things. We think of missions work, and really in the past, in past decades, people thought of the church as this pitiful institution that we give our spare change to. I got something that don't work good anymore. I think I'll give it to the church. I got, I got something that's worn out and that I'm tired of. I think I'll donate it somewhere to some missionary. Well, that's all good. I'm sure a missionary somewhere would appreciate that. But when God told Moses to build the tabernacle, he told him, he said, one of the materials was fine linen. I looked up fine linen, and it means exquisitely woven. He said, if you're going to give something to my house, I want fine linen. I don't want your leftovers. If you're going to bring a lamb for the sacrifice, it's got to be the best of the flock. It, it can't be something whose fleece is messed up and the legs are broken and the, the, the animal is anemic. It's got to be the best of the flock. I'm not asking for your last. I'm asking for your first. 
You say, well, that's first fruits. I understand, but it's a principle of fine linen. I heard of a pastor one time that a lady called him. She said, sir, she said, I'm an old woman. She said, I don't go to your church. But he said, the Lord laid your church in my heart. And she said, I'm buying a new piano and they're supposed to be delivering it on Tuesday. And I have this old piano over here that I'd like to donate to your church. And he said, well, what kind of shape is it in? She said, well, it's out of tune. He said, well, what else? She said, well, it has a few keys that don't work and it has some strings that are broken in and it has some scratches on it and it's dented up a little bit. But I wanted to give it to your church. The Lord told me to give it to your church. And the pastor said, well, ma'am, no offense to you, but I don't want your old piano. He said, our church ain't like that. We don't have very many people, but we've got dignity because we know who our God is. And he said, but I tell you what I will do. I'll take your new piano. She said, well, sir, I'm buying that new piano for myself. He said, well, you can have it, but don't be calling me and offering your junk. I'm not, what, what's that truck that drives around 1-800-GOT-JUNK or something? We've used them before. It's for junk. The church ain't 1-800-GOT-JUNK. This is 1-800-FINE-LINEN. I'm going to give my best to God. Listen. That Tuesday afternoon, somebody came through the church and said, Hey, Pastor, there's a truck out there. They say they got a piano for the church. He said, I didn't order no piano. He said, No, there's an old lady out there, and she said that she brought a piano over to you. He said, I told that lady I didn't want her piece of junk. He walked out there to tell her, leave that piano on the truck. And he said when he walked out, she, her eyes were flooded with tears. And she looked at him and said, sir, I'm sorry. He said, I've had to repent for several days now. He said, when I got off the phone with you, God put me under conviction. I brought my new piano to give to your church. You t I'm telling you, God can move on people. This is fine linen. Our missionaries around the world are fine linen. Come on, you be seated for just a moment. The preaching you get here is not junky preaching. It's fine linen preaching. The singing you get here is not half-baked, kind of thrown together. This is not God's karaoke club. This is fine linen. The worship in this place is not junk worship. It's fine linen worship. Our hospitality is fine linen hospitality. Our kids ministry, our youth ministry is fine linen. We give our best to God. Our media is fine linen. And our giving is going to be fine linen. Oh, clap your hands and give him praise. I am closing. Oh, clap your hands and give him praise. Oh, come on. I am closing, but give him praise right now. You can stand. David. David had it in his heart. To build a house for the, for the Lord. He was a church planner. But the Lord said, David, I'm sorry. He said, you got too much blood on your hands. He said, you've been a warrior. And you've done my will and you're a man after my own heart. 
But I can't let the same hands that shed blood and have been a warrior, I can't let you put your hands on my house. But David had a heart to plant churches. You say, well, that was the temple. I understand that. But this was David's heart. He said, how do I live in this palatial mansion? And the presence of God dwells in tents. How in the world can, can we go on like this, Lord? Please let me build a house. He said, I can't. But he said, I'll let you prepare for it. And David started getting the cedars of Lebanon. He started getting the material. He started getting the fine lid. He started getting all the tapestries. He started getting the material for the veil and the furniture and all the gold and everything together to build a house for the Lord. But there had to be a place to build it. And when he came upon Aruna that day, he saw Aruna there threshing wheat. And he said, I want to build something here. And he said, he said, if it's for the Lord, I'll give it to you. Well, David should have let him give it to him, huh? But David said, no. He said, if I let you give that to me, he said, it costs me nothing. And he said, you don't know what's in my heart. You don't understand the passion that I have for this project. He said, I'll pay the full cost. Now, I believe that the Lord can discount anything. I believe the Lord can give stuff for free that will blow our minds. I believe I've told you stories tonight about what the Lord can do. And I believe the Lord can do all that. But I also believe that by faith we shouldn't be afraid of the cost. And that we should be able to tell the Lord. I don't know what it costs. But I'm going to pay the full amount. Whatever it is that you tell me. To give Leonard Ravenhill, the author of the book, Why Revival Terries and Others. He asked a question. And he said, are the things you're living for worth Christ's dying for? Does the priority list that we have made How does it look when we set it beside the cross? God so loved the world That he gave his only begotten son Somehow you have to understand the passion and the burden of God tonight. Sometimes I tell the Lord, I can't carry this vision anymore. I've told him I can't carry it anymore, God. I cannot, I can't, please just release me from it. Please take this vision from me. I cannot carry it anymore. But this week, The Lord said, what do you think of my burden? 
when I sent my son, my son to die for the sins of the whole world. And people drift through life like Calvary never happened. I wonder, would you just pray for just a moment? Lord, would you do something with us here tonight? Would you do something with us here tonight, Father? I'm thankful for this church, God. I'm thankful for every saint of God. I'm thankful for it, Lord. I'm thankful for every child of God represented here tonight. I'm thankful, Lord, for people of faith. But, Lord, there's more of us that have to, that have to die tonight. Not die by losing our last breath, but die to ourselves. Die to our will, die to our agenda. Lord, we have a city to reach, but you've got a world to reach. And I'm asking you, Lord God, to use us to fulfill the mission. Lord, don't let us become a stagnant, prideful, smug, ungrateful church that's happy with our church services week in and week out. I pray, God, that you would help us to heighten our vision and look across the nations of the world. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would minister. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, God, that you would minister in the minds of people. We get so caught up in the weeds of life. We get caught up in the stupid little things that the enemy uses as a distraction. God, there's, there's Russians that are lost and there's, there's French people that are lost. There's Kenyans that are lost. There's Ethiopians that are, that are lost. There's Spaniards that are lost, God. There's Mexicans and there's Panamanians that are lost, God. There's Malaysians and Thai people that are lost, God. There's Vietnamese that are lost and there's Chinese that are lost, oh God. There's Indian people, Lord, from India that are lost. There's, there's Native Americans that are lost, oh God. Would you pray with me right now? I really want you to stay in your pews. If you're up here around the altar, that's fine. But, I, but everybody else, I want you to stay where, we are, where you are because we're going to pray intentionally here in just a moment. In the name of Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus, oh God. Don't lose me right here. Don't lose me right here. 
Come on, I know this has been a little lengthy tonight, but don't lose me right here. In the name of Jesus, God, tonight, tonight, do something revolutionary with us. In the name of Jesus, 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 Oh God, oh God, <laughs> oh God, I could be one of them. I could have been born in some nation where Christianity is unlawful. I could have been born in some corner of the earth where the gospel couldn't reach me. God, you let me be born into a preacher's home and the grandson of a preacher. You let me be raised in the truth, Father. You brought me to the house of God days after I was born. You've kept me all of these years, Lord. 52 years, Lord, you've walked with me as I've tried to walk with you. You've never left me. You've never forsaken me. Jesus, use me, Lord God, for your kingdom. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We're going to pray two more prayers. One of them we're going to pray from your seats. And the next one we're going to pray from this altar. We're not going to be all night. But these are two very important prayers. Number one, we're going to pray that the Lord, you're going to pray, that the Lord would lay something on your heart to give. Now, that number may not come to you tonight. It may not come to you tonight, and it's okay. But the Lord is going to speak to you a number at some point here tonight or soon. The Lord has not given me a number. He's not said anything to me about a specific number. And I'm talking about what you will give to missions from tonight until the end of 2022. And if the Lord puts that number in your mind and your spirit, I want you to just come quickly from where you're sitting or standing. Get an envelope. Write your name on the envelope and put the number on one of the blanks just just put it it's you're not giving it tonight you can give but you're not giving it tonight specifically just put it on there is a promise a faith promise and the amount over the next 14 months or so where we're at right now this is a weird time to do it 
if the Lord speaks to you a number. If he doesn't, that doesn't, we don't, I'm not looking at you like you're not cooperating. I don't want you to force this. I want you to hear from heaven. And some of you, you, you and your spouses may need to pray together and, and so forth, and I get that. But if the Lord speaks something to you during this next prayer, I want you to come quickly, write that, and then put it in the appropriate bucket. If there's no money in there, we'll understand that it's a, it's a faith promise. Pray with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would speak. Speak to us here right now, this moment. And I pray, Lord, that you would tell us, tell us what you want us to give, Lord. And help us not to be afraid. Help us not to be afraid, Lord. It's got to be given by faith. You're requiring something of us here, Lord, to make a promise to you. This is what our faith says. It's not a pledge. It's saying this is what our faith believes that you will enable us to give. And I pray, Lord, if there's people in this place that you're already talking to, that you're imparting something to, Lord, that you're saying something to in this building, I pray that you'd make it clear to them. I pray, Lord, that you would make it very easy for them to understand. I know there's some nervous people in here tonight, God, because they're worried about their plans. I've got plans and I've got... I've got some things I'm working on. I understand that, Lord, and you understand that. But this is above and beyond. This is you saying, I'll supply it if you'll give it. In the name of Jesus, oh God, I pray by faith right now that you would impart that to us, that you would impart that to us in Jesus' name. Praise God. Stand to your feet, and I want everybody to come quickly. Just come quickly, come quickly, come quickly. All the way down, all the way down. I want you to down the aisles. I want you in the front. Come in the front. Come in the front of the building. Come on down the aisle. 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 Just come on down, please. Come on. Come on in the altar area. Now, we did this this morning. It was very powerful. We're going to pray for nations around the world here for just, just a couple of, couple of three or four minutes. The Lord is going to lay a country, a nation on your heart. So we began to pray. You don't have to confer with anybody. You don't have to tell them what nation you're praying for. The Lord's going to lay a nation around the world, large and small, in your spirit. And we're, you're going to pray for that nation. Now, here's what has to happen beyond the offerings, beyond the givings, beyond the commitments and the promises and all that kind of stuff. This church has to become a church that prays globally and not just for our two-second needs. God, I got to have this and I got to have it now. God, you got to do this right now. 
Well, if you'll pray his will, he'll take care of your stuff. He will take care of your business. So we're going to pray right now. Father, as the Lord lays a nation on your heart, I want you to pray. And we're going to pray fervently. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for every nation. I pray, God, that you put on, put on our hearts, God, every... Every nation around the world, God, there's enough people here tonight to represent every nation in the world. Somehow, God, I pray that you would speak the names of the most obscure nations, the most prevalent nations on all seven continents here. In the name of Jesus, oh God, I pray that you would place upon this church your burden for the nations. In the name of the Lord God Almighty, I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord God. We pray right now this great prayer of intercession. We need something to break around the world. God, we need something to break in every nation under heaven. That's it. Come on. We're going to pray fervently right now. Every Muslim nation, every Hindu nation, every Christian nation, every idolatrous nation, every tribe and every tongue, every creed and every culture, from the islands to the continents, Lord, to the small and the great in the name of the Lord Jesus, to third world nations, to third world countries, Lord, up to the wealthiest of nations. We pray that there would be a shaking, Lord. We pray that there would be a shaking revival. Oh, that there would be a global harvest begin to take place. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, oh Lord God. Come on, pray with me, pray with me. I know we're a little late, but we've got time for this. We're praying, Lord, that you would hear our cry for Paraguay and Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic, oh Lord, and Venezuela and Argentina. Oh Lord, in the name of Jesus, oh God, to Portugal, to Morocco, to the African nations, Lord. Oh, Yatayanda la Masata, to the European nations, God. Ah, to Kazakhstan, oh Lord, to Uzbekistan, in the name of Jesus, to Afghanistan, Iraq and Iran and Israel, Lord. From the Isles of Greece, oh Lord God. To Germany and Austria, from Switzerland, oh Lord God. Every German-speaking nation. Oh, Lord, every Swiss dialect to the United Kingdom, to Norway, Lord. Handala Messiah to Iceland, Lord, and Greenland. Shika Papa, Yandala Mahaya. Come on, pray with me for a minute longer. Pray with me for a minute longer. Shela Mama Mama Maya Talala Bosea. Come on, 
hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I want you to bear down here for just a moment. We need something to break, Lord, in that nation that they're praying for right now. We need you to shake, Lord God, this earth from center to circumference, every government, oh, come to la Messiah, every economy. Oh, plant the seed of the gospel, reach them. Let communism come down. Let socialism come down, Lord. She under the Mahaya, Lord, we pray for revival in North Korea. We pray for it in South Korea. Oh, Alaska, across the Bering Strait, oh Lord, into Russia. In the name of Jesus, Sandala Mosike Hataya. In the name, in the name, in the name, in the name, in the name of the Lord God. Oh, hallelujah. Now I want you to lift your voice and clap your hands unto the Lord and shout the name of Jesus. All right now, I praise your name. I praise your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now in the coming, the coming days and the coming weeks and the coming months and the coming years, the Lord is going to lay on your heart, missionaries. Just, just hold on for a second with the buckets. The Lord is going to lay on your heart, missionaries and countries and nations. He's going to, he's going to put in your spirit to pay, pray some very unique and peculiar things, things you've never prayed before. Let the Lord take you and your spirit into nations. To make intercession for them. You know that Tom Barnes, and I think I think y'all know this. I think Brother Shelton has told this, but Tom Barnes, I, I don't have time to qualify this, it's too late in the evening. He was a prophet of God. Tom Barnes, the Archangel Michael used to come get him in his sleep and his spirit and take him to Jerusalem. And he would stand there in his spirit in Jerusalem and war for the nation of Israel. Their stuff, if you don't believe that stuff goes on, you haven't read the Bible. Because the Spirit took Philip from witnessing to an Ethiopian eunuch. He baptized him, and the Spirit carried him away, and he disappeared. They found him in another town. That stuff happens. It's not spooky. But the spirit world is, is real. Now, I'm not pretending that you need to just get into all kind of whacked out stuff okay just don't go crazy on me but when the Lord tells you to pray something pray it we're on a million dollar mission this was not an event tonight this was not an offering tonight something is shifting in this church and we've got to go with it if you're thankful for what the Lord is doing with us and you that's right clap your hands one more time. Hallelujah.